the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. And hello again. Thank you so much for listening. This is Counterculture. I'm Jonathan Sanborn. I just, again, this is, I love being a part of the show. I love getting the responses from the, you know, from hearing from you that they value this. I even, every once in a while, I'll talk to someone and like, oh, I've been listening to your show. I'm like, I had no clue, you know. <laughs> so it's it's kind of fun to see how this is taking hold. And I think people are, get tired of all the anger and the noise. And we're trying to lift up really a, a different way, the way of Jesus, and be to be counterculture. And I, that's really is a pursuit of a, of peace. He was the Prince of Peace. And how do we? what does that mean uh, and how we live that out? So I get to interview and talk to some of the greatest people around town, even around the country, who are in this space. And today we have Kimberly Deckel on the, on the line. Hello, Kimberly. Hey there. Good to be with you. Oh, I'm so glad you could be on the show. This is exciting. You know, Kimberly is an ordained priest in the Anglican Church in North America, a pastor and a clinical social worker and part of the Surge leadership team. And Surge, if, if you, for my listeners, that's a, a pastors and church network here in Arizona. And she's one of the founders of the Waging Peace Conference. Get to, looking forward to hearing about that. And a Phoenix uh, lives in here in Phoenix with her husband Steve and their nine-year-old daughter Keenan. Although I do hear rumors you're going to be leaving us. Is that true? Yeah, we are. We'll be moving um, to Austin, Texas, in about a month. Oh. Yeah. I've heard so many good things about Austin, the city limits and all this, the culture, and it's just yeah. kind of a boom town, right? Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's it's similar to Phoenix in a lot of ways, and we also means we don't have to move to cold weather, which I'm happy right. about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like a growing city, um, a lot of great culture and music there, which we're excited about. It has you know some similarities to Phoenix, but. We do love it here. It's been a home to us for a long time. So. Yeah, I bet. Big transition. It's a big transition, moving up your whole family. Yeah. Well, I'm really happy that you could take the time. Anytime you're thinking about leaving, it's easy to just kind of move on. But I, I thank you for being on the yeah. show. And I think you've got some great – I can't wait to hear about what you're what you know, what you're about. And so you know, just so our, our listeners get a chance, we, we play this game uh, called Fake News. And in and just so to get to know you a little bit, and it's something true about yourself and something not true, in any order, and then I try to guess which one is which, which is true, because we have to discern what is fake in this world. And I have an amazing track record, just so you know. I have about a fifty percent track <laughs> record, so I'm pretty much a coin toss. Um, so with all, all right, my, with all right. my incredible education and skills, I'm about a fifty percent. So, so tell me. So let's play. What do you say? say two things. All right. 
Okay. I am originally from Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. And I was a Division One college athlete. Interesting. Okay. You said Louisville with a, like a, in your voice, sounded like a, a, a native speaker. And so I'm going to say, and then the division one is, although possible, um, I'm going to say you're, you're originally from Louisville and that's, Meh, am I wrong? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you are. wrong. Um, I figured, I figured the Louisville might trick you. My it, husband is from Louisville. Oh, so I have to say it that way. So you have insider yeah. knowledge, but you yeah. yourself are not the insider. Good. Well played. I am not. And, but you were a Division One athlete in what store? In what sport? Yeah, so I was a long distance runner. So long distance country, runner, indoor track and outdoor track. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Man. Way way back in the day. <laughs> you know, I I walked my dog two miles today, so that's about as far as I go. Good. <laughs> it's a, it's it's like the time of year that it's really great to go on a two mile walk. It is. Here, it's, so. it's I kind of run yeah. too, but. I always admire people, Good. especially long distance running. Uh, it's impressive. Um, <laughs> I love it. So, you know, this is your we t- this whole idea of a peace waging peace conference. One one mm-hmm. great name, waging peace, um, fits in our what we're about of on counterculture. But why? Let's start with you. Why are you personally yeah. interested in peacemaking? Yeah. So I think for me. It has been something that has just been kind of a part of, of like, my DNA um, Mm. since I was a pretty young child. Um, It's a part of what um, really attracted me to the the ways of Jesus and to learning about Him and becoming a Christian. Um, And I think that, you know, there's lots of different ways that we can think of peacemaking and what it is, but I think that there's this really unique, specific way as Christians that were called to be peacemakers. Uh-huh. And I think that as far back as, you know, the 80s when I was a young child to today, it's mm-hmm. just something that's just needed. Like, we need peacemakers um, all throughout culture, right? Like, we need them in the church. For sure. We also need them, yeah, like, in, outside of the church, we just are in deep need of peacemakers. And I think that's a part of um, what is so attractive about Jesus and about his life, right? So- his life. Of peacemaking. So it's just yeah. this long theme in your life that you've wanted to see Absolutely. happen more in our world. And yeah. And as so, and specifically to Christians, do you think yep. p- uh, being peaceful is often high on their priority, or do you feel like we've kind of sometimes marginalized it in order to, to fight, maybe fight or advocate for certain things? Yeah, I do think that we've we've marginalized it. I think that in our culture, in our Christian culture, especially here, you know, in America, that's mm-hmm. the context that we're in, right? Um, we tend toward um, violence, um, mm-hmm. and not necessarily what we would initially, you know, not necessarily like physical violence, right. right? But just ways that you know, a lot of like themes around like fighting and war and like culture warriors, yeah. all that kind of thing, and have lost sight of the fact that, like, Jesus was the Prince of Peace. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think we also have misconceptions around what it means to be a peacemaker. Um, and so it's not maybe, like, cool or in, um, but I think it's absolutely a part of what we're called to as, as believers. That's a great point. What What is a, pro- a prominent misconception that people have? Like, what do you think about? Yeah, and I can relate to this. So I think that, 
Um, when we think of peacemaking, oftentimes we think of it meaning like being kind of like quiet or withdrawn or not speaking mm-hmm. up. We don't necessarily think of it as something that requires action. Yeah. But peacemaking, it like it requires action. It doesn't always mean like remaining quiet. It means being present in tension. There might actually be conflict when we're pressing into this work of peace. And I like to think of it as bringing peace to people, especially to people um, who are in the margin. Mm-hmm. That's so yeah. that's so key. It's not only just about our own like like lack of conflict or ch- chill and we're we're, right. we're good. We're not. But it's really is you're seeking also. It's an, an active pursuit of peace for yourself, especially for the marginalized. Yeah, yeah, and I think that it, you know, yeah, it doesn't mean like being quiet or meek, which I think it's easy to think when we hear um, peace or peacemaking. Right. It also doesn't mean um, like avoidance. I think sometimes we think of it as that too, as like an avoidance Don't, um, yeah. of conflict, you know, or pressing into things. But it actually means that we like we're pursuing peace. You know, it, yeah, it's active. Active, and hence waging. Yeah. You know, waging is an, yeah, is an action waging, verb. Yeah. yeah, it's a verb of, and not just sort of. It a, is. And we spent, yeah, a lot of time kind of processing through that as we were, you know, three years ago beginning to think about this conference, I guess longer ago than that, when the seeds first started being mm-hmm. planted. And then really specifically for women, too. Like, are there unique ways in which God has gifted women yeah. um, to pursue this idea of, of waging peace. And we, yeah, it was intentional using the word waging for sure. I just, and I just want to spend a little more time on this because it's such a great concept because this, this idea of Zen or peace mm. of being sort of an internal state. And there's aspects of yes. that in scripture that support there's an, an, an internal peace that we need to come before God. Mm-hmm. And, um, but the idea of the, the peace is much a much larger concept. The the shalom is a bigger, mm. stronger word, and you see that. What it, and when you think of like biblical examples, what comes to mind of like people who really were active in their pursuit of peace? Yeah, so I mean, obviously, we've talked about about Jesus kind of first and foremost, and I think a sure. part of what we see, and you were beginning to allude to this a little bit, is that. You know, like, this doesn't mean that we aren't, we shouldn't have, like, an internal peace in ourselves, right? I think in order to do this work, we have to have, like, a confidence and an assurance in it within our own selves around this work of peace. And so I think when we think of even Jesus' disciples, I think of when we even think of someone like Paul, um, we think of Paul having, like, this internal confidence, mm-hmm. this internal rest and peace in who he is and in who his his faith and in this work that he's called to. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think with Paul, I mean, even when we think of, of many of his letters, sometimes we might even think of him as like, Ooh, like, you know, he like stirs the pot a little bit right? Right. at times. But I think a part of that is because like he is so rooted in his Christian faith and in this work that he's called to and has found this sense of, of peace in that. Right. And knowing that that may mean there's risk involved, that there is going to be tension, and then that therefore allows Paul to write these letters, to bring these messages to others about about this good news, 
knowing that at times it may be disruptive, but mm-hmm. ultimately it is bringing people to this understanding and this idea of, of the gospel, right? Which yep. then allows them to live into this idea of, you know, the, the, the peaceful kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, you know? I love that. I love Paul's example when he went to the, it was Areopagus in, in uh, mm. Mars or what, whatever you want to call it. But um, when he yeah. was, he went in front of a, a people and he could yes. have just condemned their false I- idols, but he actually chose a, a peacemaking yeah. way, acknowledged mm-hmm. their own religion. He didn't, he didn't disparage it. He just said, you, you know, you're very religious. And, but then he chose like, to find a bridge of connection and spoke from there, this unknown God as a way of bring, introducing the gospel. So it wasn't really conflict and condemnation of sin and idolatry, which he might've had a right to do, but he actually chose a peaceful way. Right. Oh, and I love that. Right. Yeah. And I think, yeah. And I think it's like, it's like this subversive way I think of approaching um, like, yeah, conflict or approaching things with people. And we see Jesus, do this, like I mentioned mm-hmm. so many times, I think when we think of the example of the Samaritan woman too, um, he could have come in like heavy handed, but instead he came in in a way that like humbled himself mm. to her where she had to like off, like she had something he needed. He had water. Um, you know, he was, she was a yeah. Samaritan. She was a woman. Um, and just even that approach, right. That mm. he took gave her kind of like the ears to hear and the eyes to see the good news that he was bringing. And so I think mm. when we as Christians are thinking about whether it's uh, that we want to talk with people about Jesus and about the gospel or whether it is actually bringing um, somebody into a place of peace who's experiencing um, injustice, there has to be like this different approach, right, than mm. we oftentimes um, think of. And that that's hard, you know. It requires us to like pause and pray, yeah. Yeah. think and discern. We can't just jump in all the time. And our culture seems to admire more the the quick wit, the the comebacks, yeah. the getting owning the other side, and you know, or you know that kind of it. Really, the verbally violent in a sense. The yeah, the the the, the, the quick sound bites that owns the other to kind of keep that that tone but mm-hmm. yeah the Christ was so different in his approach oh man yeah. so so there so with this uh just so you know for our listeners uh you're listening to counterculture with Jonathan Sanborn we have Kimberly Deckel on the phone getting exciting hearing about the waging peace conference that's coming up here in Phoenix um so why another conference but what what what's right. why is this so important yeah so I think what we've talked to talked about so far, right? Just this idea of peacemaking. Um, There aren't a lot of conferences Mm. around that are focused primarily on what it is to be a peacemaker um, in the church and as followers of Jesus. And so that in and of itself is is relatively unique. Um, There is more kind of writing and pieces and some talk around peacemaking, but a lot of people still don't really know what it means. Right. Um, And then really uniquely too, I mean, this is a conference specifically for women. Our hope of course is that the women who attend the conference are then sharing what they learn with the men in their lives. Right. Um, But really specifically focused on women in a conference for women that really um, challenges them. What we Mm. hear often from the women who've attended is, I've attended a lot of women's conferences. They've been great. But one of the things that they'll say is, 
you know, this conference really challenged me. It took me seriously, theologically. Mm. Um, it was something that I like went away from this and was still thinking about it and kind of praying through it and talking with others about it. And so it's really important to have something like that um, for women when maybe we don't see that as often. Um, our brothers in Christ have a lot of conferences, you know, that really offer things that are theologically and intellectually challenging right. um, and also have a really great practical application. We don't see that quite as often right. um, for women. And so it just felt like that was a need. Yeah, that sounds fantastic, and it, I think you're right. Sometimes we do message things differently. We do. I mean, a lot of conferences can be messaged inadvertently to even soft, mm-hmm. soft play strong theology and strong convictions, and even you know, I, I think that's that's fantastic. Seems very needed. And so the and a person. So who's the audience here? Just any and any woman from a from a Christian faith, or uh, tell me what your audience is. Yeah, so we really hope that the women who attend this conference will be challenged um, to think deeper about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and really specifically our call to be peacemakers. Mm. And so we we want it to be something where they don't just kind of, all right, conference is over, back to like everyday life. Right. We actually want there to be like a little bit of tension and and thinking um, about this beyond November the 6th. Right. And so one of the things that we'll, we'll do and, and what we've done in the past, too, is we have opportunities for women to have ongoing conversations and interactions with women from the conference and people who led portions of the conference around peacemaking. And then our hope is that they are um, motivated to begin to act. And so one of the things we really talk about a lot at the conference are practical ways in which yeah. they can engage in this work of peacemaking. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, like you mentioned earlier, I mean, there's like, why another conference, right? Especially if we're just going to like take some notes, we right. put those notes, like file them away and not right. really think about it. Mm-hmm. We want this to be something that has a ripple effect, right? That the women who attend read and begin to act in their communities as peacemakers and their churches as peacemakers. Um, and we really you know, I think have this broad vision of, you know, three years down the road, 10 years down the road, um, what will the effects of this be on Phoenix, on Arizona, and beyond? Mm. When you think of outcomes, that I love that. I absolutely love that. When you think of outcomes, where where does peace need to move into in, in substantial ways? And, and what does it look like? I just want to fl- take it to another step, like what that looks like. Yeah, so I mean, I think that it really does kind of have to start on this like micro scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that, I mean, it really does have to start with, with each of us individually, like understanding um, what, what this work of peace and peacemaking is. And this, I mean, we're in this moment, right. Where there is so much conflict. I mean, and I think that's why your, your show is great, right. There's so much conflict mm-hmm. between people, so much division, um, and this really has to start like with each of us individually being motivated to pursue this unique type of peace um, that is of Jesus, right? That doesn't look like mm-hmm. anything else mm-hmm. like of the world. And so when that begins with each of these people individually, and then they begin to have like an imagination, their children attend in the church that they attend. Um, and so I think, you know, outcomes, it's, it starts small, but then it could be so broad. And I think what we want to encourage the women who attend to do is to have 
like a vivid imagination for mm. what, what that could look like and how we could really begin to change and shift culture. I love that. I love the idea of, of an, I mean, a lot of times we think about imparting knowledge, but I think activating imagination around the, uh, this topic, yeah. like what that could envision looking like in a, you know, in an educational system or what would a church that was not just about advocacy, but was about mm-hmm. peace, you know, what, what, what kind of events will we do at Christmas time that are different than, than or some yeah. kind of action, you know, what is the, the sermon application would look d- differently if I was really motivated from a, a peace mindset than a, maybe mm-hmm. a, a, like a, I don't know, violent is a little harsh, but I mean, yeah, but a yeah. more confrontive, you know. Right, right. It's like we kind of have this mentality sometimes of like, we've got to like conquer it all and like take over and like right. we paused a little bit and thought about like this different approach, the mm. way of the peacemaker, which can, which is still like very effective, right? Mm-hmm. And I also think it, you know, should cause us to pause too and be like, hmm, what, like, where are we as the church right now? And what we've been doing, like, has it, has it worked? And I'm not, mm-hmm. not sure that it's worked maybe right. quite as well as we'd, we'd hoped. And so, all right, you know, we need to, here's a moment to kind of pause and reconsider um, the approaches that we've been taking. Yeah, I, I think it's really, really important and something I'd, I'd like to highlight on my show a lot just because I, we mm-hmm. have this sort of, there's so much of that messaging that's so strong. Fight for your right to worship. Yeah. Fight. You know that I could just hear the yeah. Beastie Boys chanting, fight for your right to worship <laughs> in our modern church. And everyone's like, yeah, right. Yeah, you told me. But and yet I see Christ modeling something very different. I mean, and, mm-hmm. you know, it was so different when he went up to go up Golgotha with carrying a cross that, you know, it's just is so right. radically different than that approach. I mean, but okay. So one, just we've got. We, although we have, I just want to. We got like. I want to get hit this just a little bit because I get excited about this. But yeah. so many Christians say, "Well, we need to turn over some tables," mm. and so this seems to be the universal mantra to fight for where <laughs> where we've been for any right or any way we've been harmed to fight back to keep yep. to keep whatever. So, what do you say to that? So I would say metaphorically, yes. <laughs> mm. um, so I think like this idea, like, yes, I have a shirt that says like, flip the tables of oppression. Yeah. And I believe that, yeah, right? right. Um, but, it's like, but it's like metaphorically speaking. So I think, again, I don't know, I think that oftentimes as Christians, we don't um, maybe practice like a curiosity right. and, and, and engaging in like imagination as much as we should. Um, I think that's like also probably a little bit of a Western thing. Yeah. Um, and so I think like, okay, well then what does it really mean to like turn tables over or like flip tables of oppression? That doesn't like, <laughs> for most of us, that doesn't actually mean, yeah. you know, walk into a room and right. off and flip the whole bunch of tables yep. over, right? Right. But like, how can we, um, in a peaceful way, like be disruptive mm-hmm. to kind of the status um, and I think that is like to our to our churches and and how we're being like taught and formed. Like maybe how can we, um, in a way that is rooted in love, um, maybe challenge and question some things. Um, how can we advocate for the marginalized in mm-hmm. a way that is going to disrupt what we're used to? That again is like rooted in this place of like love 
and peace and justice and mercy mm-hmm. and who Jesus is. And so I think it's great to get this image in your head of like flipping tables over right. and like, what does that really mean? You know, right. like lived out. What does that mean um, for us as followers of Jesus? I love that. And especially, I mean, if you go deeper into that, those examples, it was always about the oppressed, the, the totally. who wanted to, had to, had to get, or had to be to pay to even do a, a, the most, the poor, the offer, the poor offering the, of the sparrows. And, but, um, so, you know, with just two minutes left, um, what are yeah. the basics of this conference? Just tell me, just, just so people know what to how what they how they can get involved or learn about it and and just it, something for the bros i'm a i'm a guy yeah. what what yeah. Tell, just something for both for both two minutes yeah so what i would say um i'll start with for the bros okay so for for the men who are listening <laughs> any women in your life like let them know about this encourage them to go mm-hmm. um i know we hear from a lot of Um, like the moms who attend it, that it's just so hard to imagine, like kind of taking a weekend away. And so I would just say, like, if you know women that would be interested in this, then please send them our way. Um, Encourage them to go, whatever it is you need to do to make sure that that they can get there um, would be awesome. Um, And then the conference itself is on um, November the 5th and the 6th. It is in, on November the 5th, that Friday, it starts in the evening, and then it's all day Saturday. And it's at Desert Springs Bible Church. We do have a website, and it is wagingpeacewomen.com. And so you can register there. Um, you can see, you know, find ticket prices, read about um, our speakers, all of that. So all the information is there. Um, it's, you know, the conference is coming up. Um, just encourage you to check out the website to find out more. Oh, Kim, this has been such a great conversation. We, I, we could have talked about twice as long, but this has been, yeah. hope people get to hear about the conference and take the next step. Thank you again for coming on my show. Love, loved hearing from you and God bless you into the next chapter in your life. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Blessings. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal, helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.